Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hope you are all well, witches. On today's show, I'm talking with Jennifer Lane, author of the book, The Wheel, A Witch's Path Back to the Ancient Self, that we recently reviewed on the podcast. Jennifer Lane is a green witch and nature writer with a background in wildlife communications. As a journalist, she has written for Vogue, The Guardian and the BBC, promoting the wider health benefits of nature, bird watching, and living in tune with the land. In 2018, she won a Northern Writers Award. She's based in Greater Manchester with her partner and her Coleco cat that we hear all about in her book. I was fortunate enough to catch up with Jennifer recently to talk all about her book, The Wheel, and her craft. Before that, we have our book review, and today's book is The Hazelwood, written by Melissa Albert. I had my eyes on this book for a long time, mainly because it is a book so linked to fairy tales, but for adults. Here is the blurb for you to get an idea of the storyline. 17-year-old Alice Proserpine and her mother have spent most of Alice's life on the road, always a step ahead of the uncanny bad luck biting at their heels. But when Alice's grandmother, the reclusive author of a book of pitch-dark fairy tales, dies alone on her estate, the Hazelwood, Alice learns how bad her luck can really get. Her mother is stolen away by a figure who claims to come from the cruel, supernatural world where her grandmother's stories are set. Alice's only lead is the message her mother left behind. Stay away from the hazel wood. Alice has long steered clear of her grandmother's cultish fans, but now she has no choice but to ally with her classmates and fairy tale superfan Ellery Finch who may have his own reasons for wanting to help her. To find her mother, Alice must venture first to the Hazelwood and then into the world where her grandmother's tales began and where she might discover why her own story went so wrong. So first off with this book, again, this is another book that if I'd listened to a lot of the reviews I came across, I may not have read it at all. It is subject to quite a few negative reviews. 
at the book's beginning, I wasn't sure about it. It felt quite bleak, the storyline. The setting was in New York, so it's much more modern day reality. And I couldn't fathom how fairy tales were going to come into it. This book, however, did have all of the true darkness that many of the original fairy tales have. These were by no means they lived happily ever after stories. Even this book's ending is unexpected and bittersweet. This book felt like you experienced multiple books within one book due to all the different experiences of our main character, Alice. Alice is a very strange character within the story. We don't understand much of her background because pretty much all she has done is spent her life on the run with her mum, running away from the characters and fans of her grandmother's cult classic book. So she has never had the chance to really develop much as a person aside from survival. The book has an eerie, surreal feel to it throughout, very much like being in the liminal space between the real world and the world linked to the book. I loved the fairy tale world she stepped into. It didn't have a coziness to it. It just felt, again, like another story within a story. There were many references to Faelor, such as feeling like you've disappeared for a few days or weeks, when in fact it's actually been years. This isn't really linked to any existing fairy tales that we know. They are newly constructed. I would definitely say this book is Marmite. You either love it or hate it, which I feel was reflected in the reviews that I came across. I would give this book four out of five. Definitely felt sad when it was finished as I enjoyed it so much. It also had a very bittersweet ending that did make me well up. This is a quirky read for anyone who loves real escapism and it is the perfect book to hunker down by the fire with during the winter months. Join me after the break for my interview with Jennifer Lane. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back. So I am here with Jennifer Lane, the author of the book, The Wheel, A Witch's Path Back to the Ancient Self. Jennifer, it's so good to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to speak to you. 
I am so excited. We read the wheel with the Literary Witches Coven and I have so many questions to ask you. I absolutely love the book. And um, I guess like first and foremost, I wanted to ask you a bit more about your journey, which you obviously discuss in the book of kind of where you started in regards to work and life before you kind of went on this little journey, well, not little, big journey into the work that you're doing now. So are you happy to kind of give us a little bit of background on the journey with the wheel and what you've been up to and, you know, transformations that you've had? Yeah, of course. So, um, so I, well, I'll start with the beginning of my witchcraft practice, but that, which actually like predates the book, like by a long way. Um, so I started practicing witchcraft when I was in my very early teens, thanks to the joy of teenage fiction, which, which got me onto <laughs> witchcraft. Um, and then when, once I realized that it was actually a thing that we can delve into, I just fell in love and I called myself a Wiccan or a witch uh, for the maybe like the ages 12 to 16 um, and I was practicing like ritual work very regularly and communing with nature and just being being at one with my witchy self um, mm -hmm. and I suppose that as the years went by I I slipped out of it as we I think as is quite natural like we get swept up in life um, I you know, had school, I had university, and I had like my first jobs and everything. And I think as we get older, we do, we start to lose that part of ourselves that has the freedom to roam in nature, we were on more of a schedule. Um, so I think that my witchcraft practice just really fell by the wayside. And whilst I did pick it up in like dribs and drabs, like over the years, like maybe in my early 20s, it wasn't something that that really resonated with me anymore just because I thought I thought to myself oh I'm a worker now you know I have I have responsibility I have lots of stuff going on um, so for me yeah witchcraft it didn't have this place in my life that it once did um, so what happened was when I was around 28 years old um, I was in a really a really toxic environment at work um, it was a new job and I I felt like I really had to make a go of this. Like I've only just started this job, but I'm, I'm really not feeling it. It's um, the, the atmosphere in the workplace is really, really, um, it's just getting me down. And I started to notice the, the stress symptoms seeping into my body almost straight away within like two or three months of being in this place. Um, it was a very strange environment where the senior management would be quite violent in meetings, like throw things and, you know, shouts um, at people for, for barely doing anything wrong or like nothing at all. Yeah. It was this really strange environment, but I think it's probably more common than we than we think. Um, yeah. So yeah, I started having these really intense stress symptoms, which, um, on an emotional level were like anxiety and depression, but also these really strong physical ones, like my hair started falling out. I was shaking constantly. Um, I had an overnight stay in hospital because they thought I'd had a stroke. Um, it was utterly, it was utterly crazy looking back on it, just that the intense physical reaction that I had to this. Um, so in the end, I was like, I cannot keep doing this to my body and my mind. I was get, I was really, really low. Um, and the one thing that really did bring, bring me back to myself was reconnecting with this witchcraft practice, which had brought me so much joy um, all those years ago. So sort of around 15 years before that. Um, and as soon as I reconnected with it and just found myself 
performing rituals, you know, putting my crystals out on the um, on the windowsill when it, whenever it was a full moon, just those small practices and also spending a lot of time in nature. Um, those are the things that just really made me snap out of it and realize actually there's more to my existence than being in this job. Um, and I decided to go full witch <laughs> and my experience of quitting this job, this very toxic environment and going into my spiritual path and finding myself in nature again. Um, that is what my book, The Wheel is all about. It's my spiritual journey to heal myself mentally and physically from the working world. Honestly, I completely resonated with your experience in the, you know, the working world. Um, also worked in an environment where people were throwing staplers around. It was quite aggressive. It was very male dominated. I also was losing my hair. I know you had a particularly horrendous kind of series of events in regards to health and so on related to the work field, you know, the, the, the field of work. But I really resonated with that. And the, the way you were describing it, I kind of, you know, could get those I kind of got those feelings back in a way you know like oh my goodness I can totally relate to this and I feel a lot of the time when I get sort of messages through from a lot of you know witches that listen to the podcast and so on it really is the same feeling like a lot of them are, you know when I um, catch up with them will say you know I'm this age I've come back to my craft I've come back from you know being obsessed with it as a teenager and I think that we all sort of forget that the magic is still out there you know and we sort of come into adulthood thinking oh that's you know maybe just something for when you're kids or when you're teenagers but it is truly life transforming and uh, you know that I think for anybody that's kind of going through it or questioning what they're doing in regards to work or you know if they want to transform health and so on, this book is just such a positive, encouraging influence for that. There were so many bits in it. I was like, oh yes, you know, this is really what people need to hear. I did want to ask you, there were so many bits in the book that made me chuckle because I think you, you've got a very witty way of writing. What influences did you have as a teen that kind of led you on the witchy path? Because I'm sure many of us are going to relate to this as well. <laughs> uh, so like witchy books or like witchy experiences that um, that inspired me programs films all sorts because I think there were a few oh. things you referenced your friend in the book and I was like oh yes I remember that <laughs> oh my god so the late 90s was just like a hotbed of witchcraft on tv do you not remember like it was just like we had Buffy we had Charmed we had Sabrina and Sabrina. I just felt like yeah it was all just like it was so ingrained in our psyche like to be a young yeah a young girl maybe like I think I was well I was like eight or nine when I first started watching Buffy and I was like oh yeah, yeah this is perfectly normal this is just exactly what I'm used to watching on tv um and so yeah I, th I think I've just really normalized witchcraft from a very young age because it's just always been around me um and when I was a teenager I read a series of books the one that really kind of set me off and that was called Wicca um very you know on the on the nose title uh, but it's <laughs> it really it just inspired me so much to think about people my own age um, experiencing witchcraft, um, with, like being in nature, but also like just being a normal high school student and having to deal with all these like witchy issues. I think that um, 
we we were just surrounded by by witchcraft and there'll, mm. there'll be a generation of women now who who were just like oh yeah that was me as well I was I was like the, the class witch um just because it was really? everywhere and um oh and also how could we forget um I think you mentioned it but like the craft was I knew you could a, say that yeah. <laughs> it was just oh my goodness yeah. what a game changer so my daughter is um 15 and she absolutely loves the original it's got to be the original of the craft it's just such a good it they did it quite well I mean I know they had an advisor and, and everything but it, it's just stand it's just stood the test of time you know for me that that was the epitome of the the late 90s and like you getting into witchcraft you know went from Sabrina to the craft and that was it you know just that I also remember my brother weirdly enough my brother is like very he's quite witchy he's quite spiritual he had the silver raven wolf books which I know they're a bit of a bone of contention like not everybody you know likes them but I used to steal his silver raven wolf books and read those all the time honestly I've still I think I've still got it on my bookshelf like the big chunky one uh, like solitary witch I think uh, but yeah yes. that was that was a yeah. big influencer as well oh great times <laughs> So I wanted to, uh, and funnily enough, one of the bits that I absolutely loved the most from the wheel, uh, it was in regards to, okay, so there's two, I'm going to go first into the um, the first element, was with the nature scenes, and obviously you going into like different birds that you saw, and you know, different symbolism, and, and so on, um, and I guess for you I know obviously your work was around that because I know you did a lot of work didn't you in regard like relating to nature anyway but did you find that when you were did you kind of have more of a push to kind of get out in nature more was there anything that you did in relation to this journey that you'd kind of recommend to anybody now that it just feels that they need to change things up they need to reconnect with nature because there were certain bits that you discussed in the book and I thought that got me thinking about my connection with nature and needing to push myself to get out more so is there anything you can kind of give and advise on that yeah so I think that one of the things that's really helped me is well because before writing the book I was in nature journalism um, and I did mm. briefly work for the RSPB so that was very close uh, a very close link with birds and, and wildflowers and nature um, but something that's helped me within my general practice is being able to identify herbs and animals within nature um, so I, I have been a bird watcher since I was about 19 years old um, so that's quite quite a little while now um, and over those mm -hmm. years I've absorbed so much bird song that I can just stand in the garden and be like oh the long-tailed tits are back or something like that oh, I and that. I think just being able to it, it's almost like instinctual now it's like oh I know what that is and also mm -hmm. I know how that resonates with this time of year or like maybe it's going to be a good winter because this particular bird is around um, and I think that actually being able to ID um, identify all the different birds in my in my neighborhood or in my local park um, has helped me to understand nature in, in a more like comrade comradely way um, so I think yeah. just yeah treating it as a friend that's coming to my door every day because I know everyone's name I know what that is um, and also because I class myself as a green witch so someone that works with nature with plants and um, sort of herbal medicine being able to go out in, into, um, again, my local park or my local green area 
and just go, oh, this, this will be helpful for helping me sleep later, or I'd better store this away. I better gather this now because it's the right time of year. Um, it all, it all helps you to connect with that seasonal, um, the, all those cycles and just that cyclical way of living that helps us to fall back into the rhythms of nature. So I would really recommend taking an ID guide or a book out with you when you're just when you're on a walk because at this time of year um, we're recording a few days before Samhain um, and the whole world is just absolutely filled with mushrooms and fungi right now yeah. so we, we could take you know a guidebook out and identify each of those um, mushrooms that are out there and just understand what they're used for um, so I think for me that's been a real help in sinking back into those cycles Oh my goodness, this is absolutely, and I feel like you say, like coming up to this time of year, also the awareness that for, you know, for us here in the UK, the clocks are going to go back. A lot of us do struggle with this time of year where, you know, kind of darkness comes in. I find for myself, you know, going into the autumn and the winter, it really does help with our mental well-being, just trying to get out as much as you can, experiencing that light, um, but also mindfulness as well. Like, you know, looking at certain, so if you have sort of a, a walk that you go on locally, just observing it daily, like just seeing the little changes that might be coming in, the leaves turning, the mushrooms coming up, as you say, like different birds, it really does change your experience of the year. And there is such a magic in, you know, what occurs anyway. But then you can sort of build on that also. And, and, you know, once you start like studying these birds and, you know, once you look at different herbs and mushrooms, there's always so many like folk tales and lore, you know, so many different things that are linked to them as well. You can just go really deep with it and it really changes your experience of the land. You know, it just makes you more curious and a bit more magical. So that definitely in your book, like kind of made me much more aware of, getting out there in nature and doing that and and the benefits so I really loved that section <laughs> oh thank you um I think I've just thought of something else that's actually really beneficial um for getting back into this um something that's really helped me is learning to leave my headphones at home whenever I'm going for a walk um in order to make me more mindful of what I'm actually listening to and experiencing around me um, I think that a lot of us will you know go and listen to our favorite playlist you know just to sort of de-stress from from work if we're going for a walk on our lunch break but I think actually just really sinking into those seasonal sounds um, and just being more aware can be can be so helpful as well oh absolutely definitely I, I agree with that also I um really had to take my hat off to you in the book because I really felt you normalized life as a witch juggling the muggle mundane world and our actual spiritual practice because we briefly spoke about this before we came on to record Jennifer and I but a lot of we were discussing a lot of witchy books make you feel like you have to be on the ball and at your altar every single day and I'll be really honest with you and Jennifer you know we've, we've sort of discussed this before we've come on we are a few days from Samhain which is always the busiest time of year for us witches anyway and obviously sort of working in the industry it's been absolutely manic so you know in all likelihood I might get some Samhain and just have the energy to light a tea light <laughs> and that's okay it totally <laughs> Jennifer, is. Like, yeah, it's, just, it's just kind of reality you know it's a bit like um 
yeah so so in all honesty that may just be my style win because we just sort of be so exhausted with all the great good things that are going on work-wise and in general um but you know I really loved that that you identified the like ups and downs and and you know the kind of a few steps forward that you might take with your you know on on the path to in you know improving your mental well-being and like how you were transitioning from you know former life to the new life um but you just made it really real and it just there were so many witches in the literary witches coven that were just like yes I feel like this is normal you know it's perfectly acceptable to not um do a spell for like I mean I'm not a huge spell worker but you just normalized it and I really think that helped to take the pressure off um so yes that was one element of the book I really liked and I mean what's life for you right like right now in terms of coming up to Samhain and work and you know schedules and and working your craft <laughs> wow so um where do I begin so basically I'm I'm just coming out of what has been possibly the busiest two months of my life um <laughs> with different deadlines and all I want to do is sink into Samhain and just like be so grateful because like obviously this is the third harvest festival of the year this is a really abundant time of year for witches and I think I just wanted to like really put my all into it and celebrate it um but the reality has been that I've had so many deadlines all come up um I'm a freelance writer as well and a lot of my um projects got shifted over the summer um due to um conflicting schedules so basically they all just came up now um so I think that my Samhain will also be quite similar I've got a beautiful <laughs> ritual planned um so you know if if all if all goes right I will be doing this ritual that will take all evening and I'll be so glad about it but also I'll be really happy enough you know just to light a candle and say a little a few words to my ancestors um, just to celebrate because I think we've got to be practical we've got to be real we are you know we're working people we have responsibilities and there's nothing wrong with that um, we do live in this incredibly masculine driven world still and whilst there are there are so many of us who are totally trying to embody that feminine space of like within witchcraft and within our other sort of spiritual practices I think that we do have to acknowledge that we are we're not quite there yet because the overall sort of status quo is still very hyper masculine um so as long as we can try and you know bring that femininity bring those feminine practices to the fore as much as possible I think we are playing our part but we just have to be realistic don't we absolutely and I think that's the thing I think because obviously sort of with the work that I'm sure you get it with the work I do. I genuinely think people think I'm going to be there in a black cloak on Samhain and have this huge high magic ritual. <laughs> it's just not, it's just not the case. I also am a firm believer that there's always time and energy around a Sabbath or like a full moon or a new moon. So please, you know, don't ever feel like you've got to kind of, it must be done on the night of it. You know, there's always that high energy, that that feeling around it. So if you've got to do it a day later or like a two days later or whatever, it still works. It's still good. It's, you know, it's, it's still, it's just got to be when it works for you and you can actually put your full intention into it. So exactly. Jennifer, I was going to say, I know you mentioned you are a green witch I, and you delved into some different aspects in the book in regards to so I really loved Jennifer's shamanic journeys that she outlined also the ritual work that you did as well there were some amazing moments in there and 
I was just really curious to ask you, so working as a green witch, what other elements do you kind of bring into your craft currently? So I, well, my partner and I were very big gardeners and have an allotment. So I think that being able to actually grow our own herbs and our own produce has been so helpful to this journey because again, it's all about understanding those cycles. So in my green witchcraft practice, I am, you know, I'm very, I'm very keen to observe the seasons and all the different plants that are growing at those times of year. Um, but because I actually have them, you know, just outside my door, I can, you know, just keep checking in and seeing, oh, what's here today? What do I need to harvest? Um, so yeah, having my own herbs and like my own tools at, my, at this, at my disposal has been incredibly helpful. Um, but yes, I, I also really love finding out the the mythical symbolism of different herbs uh, and plants. Um, and that's something that I has, has been really helpful within the shamanic work that I've been doing, because um, I don't know if, you know, your listeners have a shamanic practice, but if you, if you don't, um, shamanism is this really very, very old ancient spiritual path um, where we can tap into healing from different astral planes and from different worlds in order to bring that healing to ourselves um, you know, within our bodies and within our minds. Um, so the journeys that I do are facilitated by a drum beat. Um, so it kind of gets you into that trance state so that we can slip inside ourselves and then shift between the worlds. Um, and if we shift down to a particular world called the lower world, which is this mm -hmm. beautiful, abundant green space around us all the time, um, where it seems like nothing bad can happen in, in this beautiful space, um, it's filled with plants and that they are there to offer healing. Um, so part of my green witchcraft practice has actually been really helpful to understand the different healing plants that I'm receiving within shamanism. Um, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it's been this wonderful crossover of just of knowledge where I've been able to really, um, yeah, just transfer that across and understand, you know, if I'm, if I see a sunflower, I know that's going to bring me joy and contentment. If, if I stand under an oak tree, I'll, I'll receive strength and resilience. So I think it's just about making those connections and understanding what those plants can offer us. There is so many answers and different things we can pick up as well through journeying in regards to healing and so on. I mean, I know um, a really good friend of mine who's doing a lot of bodily, body healing and she's gone into shamanic and had conversations with spirit guides or, you know, whoever, and they have sort of said, you need to eat this and you need to, and when she's gone to go and like Google and see the health benefits, it's, there's no way she would have known that that is the kind of food that would heal this what she's trying to heal and I just think you know what you pick up there it's one of the issues I think that a lot of people find when it comes to the journeying is trusting what you see or what you're given um which is always kind of a bit you know which is which is always one of the tricky things when you first come to it but I think the more you can open yourself up to it and just the answers and and things that come through it has such an amazing ability to if we can't heal it on this plane you can heal it there if that makes sense completely yeah i i completely resonate with what you said about um you know not knowing whether it's real or not um i think mm. that when i first started journeying and i'd see a particular i don't know a particular 
animal so I'd see a tiger and I'm like oh am I seeing a tiger because I watched a documentary yesterday about tigers or am I seeing a tiger because it's here to offer me healing and it's the right sort of thing that I need to be communing with um but yeah you do begin to trust yourself a lot more um and yes I think it always blows me away that when you receive healing from your guides in the shamanic world and you look it up later it always is absolutely spot on and you're like how how does this work it's amazing oh my goodness honestly it's just absolutely crazy some of the things I had through and again like I think the one thing we talked about this on the podcast a little way back you know the shame that like the shamans are literally like they just don't even question it because they just think that whatever they see even if it is a case of oh okay well I watched this the other day so maybe that's why that's come up for me I think it's just a case of like spirit or your spirit guides or whoever will just give it to you in any form that they think that you're going to resonate with it Although sometimes you don't because it's like the most bonkers thing you could ever imagine seeing. Like it's it's a bit of a, a mixture, I think. Sometimes they show it to you in a way that, that they'll know you'll resonate with and understand. And other ways, other times you'll get answers and visions come through and you're just like, what, what the, what now? <laughs> it's just... Definitely. There's some, there's some weird <laughs> stuff down there. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, just go with it. It's fine. <laughs> So Jennifer, I know you've got a ton of projects on at the moment. Can you fill us in a little bit more on what you're working on currently, what's coming out and so on? Yes, well, yeah, like I said, it's been just absolutely (laughs) wonderful and abundant, but also crazy. Um, So I'm currently working on a spell book, which is out in April next year, just before Beltane. Um, And that is all around spells and ritual work uh, to deal with stress and burnout in the modern world. Um, So it's very closely linked with the topics in the wheel, um, because, you know, like I said, the wheel was my journey of recovery from complete burnout. Um, And at the time, I didn't really know what it was because it was a pre-pandemic world and the term burnout didn't really like it didn't really exist in the public sphere that much. Um, So, yes, I've really taken that on in the spell book and looked at practical ways that witches can harness uh, the powers of the elements in particular in order to heal from those stresses. And a project that I've also been working on is a young adult fiction book. So my first fiction book, um, and it's all about, of course, it's about witches. Uh, so I I grew up in Lancashire, uh, quite close to, well, fairly close to a place called Pendle. And the Pendle yes. witches are, you know, they're nationally perhaps globally famous uh, for being a particularly yeah. brutal witch trial um and so I've always really been fascinated by the story I mean perhaps that was my first foray into witchcraft my first my first insight into that witching world um but yes the witches um, of Pendle have always like been in my consciousness um so the book that I've I've written is called The Black Air and that's out in September next year um, and that is I would say it's a modern retelling, um, looking at themes of mental health um, and also the way that friendships in your teenage years can be so obsessive and destructive and just everything that comes with that. So The Black Air, I would say it's it's quite a psychological thriller. Oh, so excited to read both of these. I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> so you're a busy bee. <laughs> yeah, but it's all brilliant stuff. I mean, I mean, I, I love writing. Um, and so I'm just so happy to be embodying this space. 
And you are a wonderful writer. I really got lost. So I read this in the summer and I was sitting out in my garden just reading it. And it was just, yeah, wonderful. I absolutely, you know, cannot recommend The Wheel highly enough. So I'm really looking forward to your forthcoming other two books. And on that note, so um, Jennifer, in regards to when you're, when you're writing or perhaps when you're in ritual, is there any music that you like to listen to? I know we talked about Birdsong, which can actually be a really good thing to bring into your craft um I've listened to meditations and so on with birdsong on but yes is there any music or any sounds that you like to listen to either when you're writing and or ritual well yes the birdsong is definitely one of those things um I I always find that it gives me a boost because um because it mimics the dawn chorus and when we should be waking up and like feeling feeling more alert um listening to birdsong helps me to feel more alert although it it confuses my cat and so she has to go out of the room <laughs> she's really confused like where are the birds where are, where are they i know um, all about your cat from the book i love the sound of your cat <laughs> she's sitting behind me right now uh but oh. yes yeah honestly i am such a cat lady i'm like i'm such a stereotypical <laughs> witch what a cat lady um but yes, in terms of music, I, I listen to quite a lot of like Celtic harp music. Um, I find that very, very calming. Um, also, I have a lot of Irish ancestry, so I don't know whether there's some something ancestral there that's coming through. Um, but also, um, I, I don't know what it is, but in recent years, I, I have struggled to focus. So I listen to things like brown noise or green noise, um, and that just blocks things out. But I'd say that the Celtic stuff keeps coming up for me. And I, yeah, I listen to a lot of that. Oh, I love this. No, and I can relate with the with the Celtic harp music and with the brown noise as well. Cause I listen to that. I think it really um it, it oh my goodness, the effect it has is, is so calming. So yeah, absolutely. Um I listen to that a lot, like when you need to wind down and so on, if you're trying to read and your mind's racing and so on. So yeah, I definitely recommend using that. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on. We've kind of freestyled this today. We just had sort of gone into a really good conversation and just thought, let's just go for it and get this put, you know, get something put out. But I just want to say, I'm thank you so much for coming on. I cannot recommend The Wheel highly enough. You must get a copy. It just normalises. It's just a really good, realistic look at the craft and our own like spiritual journeys and transformation. Um, I really think Jennifer is just very realistic, but it's truly magically written. She's got a wonderful writing style, had lots of moments where I was chuckling away and you know, it's, it's very witty. There's a lot of vulnerability in it. Thank you for coming on, Jennifer. Thank you so much. What a lovely, what a lovely thing to say as well. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed this. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.